when you have faith, when you got like really believe in yourself, no matter what somebody else tells you, you're going to keep going. You're going to keep pursuing your dream. Hey, everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. We have another amazing human this week, Mike Thomas. Mike is a friend of mine from college, and we talk all about his football and life journey. I still don't know all the rules of football, so forgive my ignorance with respect to some of the basic questions that I ask Mike, but I have to say that I love a good sports story. You can always pull the lessons and apply it to your own life, and I just love watching those 30 for 30 ESPN episodes with my husband. So if you've seen them, think of this as No Straight Paths version of 30 for 30 with Mike Thomas. He is such a great storyteller, and I really appreciated his honesty and the levity that he brought to the conversation. But before we get to our amazing conversation, let me tell you a bit about Mike. So he graduated from Stanford, and he is one of the National Football League Players Association's most active players, both on and off the field. After playing one season with San Francisco as an undrafted free agent in 2012, Mike spent the next five seasons as a free safety and special teams standout for the Miami Dolphins. In March 2018, Mike signed a contract with the New York Giants, and he was named to his first Pro Bowl that same season. He became a player rep for the Dolphins in 2016 before going on to be a rep for the Giants, as well as team captain. He was voted on to the executive committee in 2018 and re-elected in 2020, and he played for the Houston Texans in 2020, And he currently plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, where he played in the Super Bowl for the 2021 season. Mike has also done some really impactful community service work in every place that he's lived. So that includes Miami, California, New York, and his hometown of Houston. He loves the kids. He created the Big Plays for Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Miami program. He was named the NFLPA Community MVP during both the 2015 and 2016 seasons for his youth mentorship initiatives. And one of his initiatives is Camp Mike T. It sounds so fun, wish I could go. And the camp, it just really exposes kids to unique opportunities through financial literacy workshops and college prep programs. Mike has also done some policy work. So he's participated in externships where he's worked closely with Representative Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas to learn more about the political process on Capitol Hill and how his own social justice activism can turn protest into policy. And we get into some of that activism, which is just so inspiring. But finally, most importantly, Mike is married to his high school sweetheart, Gloria Thomas Glow, and they have three very cute little ones, Genesis, Messiah, and Makai. And we talk a bit about that being parents of three children. God bless them. (laughs) But can't wait for you guys to hear my conversation with Mike. So let's get to it. We have my friend, Mike Thomas, here to speak with us. I just ran through all of his accolades and his bio. So we're excited to just learn more about the journey behind all of the accomplishments. So Mike, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Ash. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, great. So I would love to really just start with your childhood. If you can just tell me a bit about how you grew up, your Mm -hmm. upbringing, your values, and how that informs the work that you do today. 
where do I start with that? I mean, grew up in a small country town in Louisiana. Most people don't know that about me, Ash. And uh, had three older sisters. I'm the youngest of four, only boy. So that was tough there. To both my parents in the household, Michael Anthony Thomas and Bernadette Thomas, they both were attorneys. They uh, both graduated from Southern University in Baton Rouge. So my household was just always having a, a high, I guess, premium on, on education. It, that it, was, it wasn't about, oh, you know, are you going to college? It's about what you're going to study. What's going to be your major? And are you going to grad school, right? Are you going to be a lawyer? Are you going, you know, like trying to go be a doctor, go to law school, you know what I'm saying? I'm at school. That was the expectation. The bar was set there. So that was just something I remember growing up, all of us aspiring to be, you know, great in whatever field we chose. And I just remember we had one traumatic, I guess, event in our life, in our household. I was eight years old. My oldest sister, while actually in college, uh, she contracted like some type of contamination that happened from an oil spill. And she ended up with a form of cancer that's normally only found in children, a Wellness tumor. And we had to move, instead of making those commutes from either the Ronald McDonald House in Tennessee or going to Texas Children's Hospital, which was a little closer, we ultimately decided to move to Houston. And as I, I think we've had a conversation about this before, I couldn't stand the thought of leaving Louisiana and going to Houston at first. I'm thinking, all I can really think about when it comes to Texas, especially Houston, was Walker, Texas Ranger. You know, I'm thinking everybody just rode horses, you know, dirt roads and all type of stuff. I was like, man, I ain't trying to move out there, bro. But honestly, once we moved out there, my sister, she, she survived that her battle with cancer, with Weldon's tumor. And I have two nieces with her. It actually ended up being a blessing in disguise once I moved to Houston and for our whole family. And that's kind of where I found my love for sports, found my love for football and football was king in Texas. And, and I learned that very quickly. And, and between my upbringing with my parents and them instilling about education and striving to be great in school and that, that just love for football in Texas, you know, I, I found the perfect match for me. That's so great. And I would love to just learn a little bit more about your qualities and attributes as a child were you like a goody two-shoes like <laughs> I mean like, some yeah. might say yeah depending on who you ask <laughs> nah definitely not patting myself on the back but just speaking in truth I've probably been very similar to how I, how I am now like good or bad however somebody might perceive me I've probably been the same as that person since I was a kid kind of always just had that knack for being a leader, whatever that might look like, you know, in classrooms, uh, in student programs, if we're playing sports, my mom wouldn't let me play football till I got to middle school, but shoot, even organizing, playing sports in the neighborhood, you know, I've always just kind of found my way of being like in the front leading. And, and I'm guessing that's probably just from like, again, what we just talked about being instilled with my parents and just who they raised us to be. But I wouldn't say I was a goody two-shoes because up until I played sports, I was probably leading the pack in the wrong way. You know, I would kind of get into trouble a little bit. And once I got to middle school and I could play for the school, my mom wasn't stopping me from playing football anymore. They made it very clear. Like, nah, you get in any trouble like you've been doing and your grades slip, you're not making straight A's or maybe one B or something like that. We take the sports away from you. And that, that, that did it, Ash. I was always kicking it with guys in the neighborhood. Was always, you know, I guess, you know, like, well, I, I was sitting at the cool table at lunch. Let's just say that. Eh? I, was, I was sitting at the cool table at lunch. But, but I, I, was, I invited everybody. Yeah. Uh, but once we got to middle school, I started throwing house parties. As I would never do that in today's TikTok and post everything age. Like, matter of fact, we had no phones at my house parties. Eh? So, yeah, like, nah. Like, 
that, that, that in a nutshell, like that was my, my childhood. I love that. And I definitely can see that, especially like in college, Mike, in that you were <laughs> certainly a leader, certainly hardworking, but also still the cool kid. <laughs> so yeah, I, I see that. And I love how you had this amazing foundation from your family and with really high standards and really, you know, gave you the support so that you can be where you are today. I love to hear more just about that journey to Stanford and what that experience was like. Yeah. So first off, I got to be honest, as I didn't really know too much about Stanford when they first started recruiting me. And um, I remember coming home, I was starting to get recruited by a bunch of colleges and my dad like saw an article on like Yahoo or something like that. Like, Hey, Oh, Stanford just hired a new football coach. Jim Harbaugh, I remember him. He, like, played in the NFL quarterback, like, Chicago Bears, the Colts. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's cool, whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, good for them. <laughs> but it was, like, it, it was crazy. As, like, not 20 minutes later, I get a text from, like, a 650 number. And it's sure enough, he's like, yo, name's Jim Harbaugh. Mike, just want to let you know, like, a whole bunch of teams might want you, but we need you. And I'm like, yo, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Nah, oh, and I ate it up, too, as, you know, they use all the little tactics. Recruit, I ate it up. Like, they need me. Hold on. I, got, I might have to go here. Like, shoot. But uh, nah. I remember just telling my dad, like, yo, like, I think this is the dude you was just showing me. And so I ended up looking up, you know, Stanford. I thought it was Ivy League. As I thought it was way, like, in New York on the East Coast. And I saw, like, wait, nah, they don't, they're not playing Princeton. They're not playing Harvard. They playing USC, UCLA, like, in the Pac-10, Oregon. Like, okay, hold on. Like, I mean, Cal was good at the time too. It was pretty bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, like, <laughs> but that's my first introduction to Stanford. And once I saw that and kind of looked more into it, I was like, yo, if I can actually get into this school, this might be where I actually want to go. Cause nobody from my area was aspiring to go to a school like that. We had smart students but they'll stay in at rice or maybe go to baylor or something like that but nobody was thinking to go to a, even apply to an institution like stanford so probably without even thinking about it that hard back then like subconsciously it was like yo i get to i get a chance to do something that's never been done before especially in my area so like <laughs> to, to your point the journey yeah i love that <laughs> just really quickly just to say i love how you did not really know where Stanford was because <laughs> we are that's kind of so Texas of you because oh my god people really do I when I lived in Houston I remember it's like a very loyal place to like where they grow oh, yeah. up which I think is wonderful and there's a lot of community there but I knew I wanted to go to Stanford maybe this is because I'm from California like <laughs> since I was 10 years old so the right. fact that you're like I got this letter and I checked them out <laughs> like, and they really that, wanted that me she's like, she's like, so that disrespectful <laughs> No, I remember there was a kid because I had to change my classes as like, I thought I was about to have a cakewalk senior year. Like, oh, shoot, every other school, like the Northwesterns, Baylor, shoot, I, I even went to like Princeton. Princeton's like, look, we don't even give out scholarships. You qualify here. We'll make sure we take care of you if you want to come here, blah, blah, blah. Stanford was like, nah, you're going to have to take these AP courses. No, 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 like get Spanish three and you know what I'm saying, do all these other things, right? So I'm in like my Spanish three class. That's, that's my first class of the day. And this kid was like, or the, the teacher was like, yo, Mike, you're taking your visit to Stanford. And the kid was like, you, you are not going to Stanford. Stanford's not recruiting you. I'm like, yes, they are. I'm going to my official visit in a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, what, what city is Stanford in? I said, Palo Alto. 
and his face, you know what I'm saying? Like his eyes look like, oh shit. Like you see it, like to your point, like it's very Texas. Like not many people are thinking about anything other than are you UT or are you Texas A&M? You know what I'm saying? Like which one of two are you one of those other schools? Nah, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, so like that's, that's, that's what Texas is. But I took that leap. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do everything in my power, try to see if I can even get in. I'm, you know, did, wrote all those essays, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like did everything, changed my courses. And I remember once I got that, that call from Harbaugh saying like, dude, you got in. I just want to let you know, you, you haven't got the letter yet. They haven't said anything, but you know, I've already talked to admissions. They're like, we're letting Mike Thomas in. And I was like, yes, I cried. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Yeah, I cried. I was like, shoot, put on Marvin said, never would have made it. Like all that shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And that it, it was it was a great moment in my life, you know what I'm saying, knowing I was gonna go to a school like Stanford and that's that's like where I was gonna start like have my college uh career at. But once I got there as it was I got a rude awakening. Rude awakening that I was not prepared. I was not prepared to be a student at an institution like that. It's hard. It's challenging and it depends yes. on you know what level of education you come from because I remember meeting people day one and they came from these prep schools on the East Coast, like Exeter and Andover. I'd never even heard of them. So it can be such a culture shock and just everyone's coming in from a different playing field. So you can be the top of your class at a public school in a specific neighborhood, but get to Stanford and realize, okay, there's certainly a level of training that I did not have, you know, when it compares to my peers. And so, you know, how did you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, like I said, it was a culture shock. It was humbling for me. And then to, to make matters worse, Ash, you know, I'm, <laughs> if you play any type of collegiate sport, it's, it's a full-time job. And so my time management was not there. Like I told you, I'm coming from, oh, yeah, I'm good in school. I'm a public kid. I'm also throwing house poison and stuff. Stanford College, you know, it's going to be a breeze. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, I'm good. But I'm playing as a true freshman, Ash. I end up pledging a fret. You know what I'm saying? Like, at, like <laughs> I go online, like, second quarter, winter quarter. Oh, my God. It was – priorities was all messed up, right? So, ultimately, like, so I'm in class and stuff, and I'm looking around there like, yo, did you do the reading? Like, Mike, what do you think about this? I'm like, I actually tried to read it. I don't know what the, they talking about. You know what I'm saying? All I, all I was in, like, not uh, – <laughs> What were those classes called freshman year that we had to take? It was just so- I hum. You're probably I talking hum, about I hum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, humanities courses that we all had to take at Stanford as a freshman year. Yeah. And it's only 11, 12 of us in the class. So there's no hiding. You know, like, and it's like, yo, I actually try. So I struggled with that and actually struggled academically. I asked, you know, in my freshman year to the point where after freshman year and even like had a good freshman year in football, had a good spring coming back to be a starter. They're, they hit me up soon as summer school started, like, yo, you can't go home for not even a week or two. You got to come back up here and apply for summer school. And that that was the wake-up call I needed. And so then it was like, no, nah, okay. Just like I did in high school, obviously, I can't fail. There's no failing. There's no flunking. You know what I'm saying? No flunking. Now there's no not getting my degree once I decide I'm coming to Stanford. Let's figure this thing out. And we, I buckled down, Ash, and realized it's okay for me to ask for help. It's okay for me to say that, I don't understand something. I might need a little bit more time to work through this. And once I get it, then that's fine. But it's okay to initially say, wait, hold on. I do not understand this. Because I used to be like, nah, you got to go to tutorials tutorials, or if you got to ask questions and stuff like that, you don't know something, then, you know, you're probably not that 
that's smart. You know, so that's how I used to think. I don't think like that anymore, as but that's how I used to think. And then going to those office hours and you know doing some more writing exercises, realizing what it takes to be a student and what professors are expecting, because uh, expecting of students at Stanford, because they're not going to sit there and walk you through every single syllabus and stuff like that and say, hey, you got this paper due, like, it's in, due in three weeks, Mike, have you started? Okay, what part are you on? Are you working? Like, they're not doing that. So I just had to realize what it took to be a student at Stanford. I went through that process. And after probably like two quarters of in my sophomore year by springtime, I was great. And I had a great time for the rest of my academic career at Stanford as well as football. I love that. I love that. And office hours were certainly my friend, especially for computer science 105, the intro class to computer science. I realized I had to go to office hours because that was certainly a challenge for me. It felt like a different language. Absolutely. Uh, And it worked. It was so helpful. I was able to get a good grade. So, you know, it's okay to ask for help. So I love how you say that. And I love how you also talk about that perspective, because especially when you're in college and even probably high school now, middle school, these, how competitive it is. People think, you know, if you don't know the answer to something, if you, if you're asking questions, if you're going to get help like that, that is a sign of, a lack of intelligence or a sign of weakness. And it's not, it's a sign of strength and, you know, intelligence to go and figure out, realize, okay, I need help. Let me figure out how to fix this situation or solve this problem. So I love that. I would really like to hear about football. Okay. Can we talk about how did you get it to the league? How did you achieve your biggest dreams? Right. So no, I mean, it's, it's a love-hate thing, actually, with, with that journey. But since I was a kid, I used to sit with my dad and watch old football history films, right? He was a huge Green Bay Packer fan. So, I mean, I watched all type of old, 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 old film. It made me, gave me appreciation for football, right? But that's why I developed my dream. My dream was to go play in the NFL because I used to watch the NFL with my dad, right, since I was like five, six. And knew what it took. Knew I was going to have to go play in college, have to get a scholarship. Boom. Go Go to a school like Stanford. Stanford, when we first got there, wasn't really known to be a powerhouse in football, but we ended up like just hitting the perfect storm at the perfect time. You know, like just just all things were aligned with us. Uh, had a great group of guys who who all thought the same exact way and had like very similar goals. And thank God we had a good quarterback as well <laughs> while we were there with Andrew Luck. And me and Luck, we were we played against each other in high school, and I knew. You know, after playing him four years, I was like, well, this dude's going to be good. So oh, he's going to Stanford. He's like, Mike, come on, man. And I knew he was going to be good. So it's like, all right, any other school, Ash, where you have a program that dominates in football, dominates their conference, is one of the top teams in the whole nation, you normally associate that with them having a bunch of players that can probably translate to being great in the NFL. And they get the benefit of the doubt those guys get drafted, whatever. For Stanford, for whatever reason, that was not the case. It was uh, a bunch of try-hard guys. You have a stellar quarterback and, you know, maybe some good guys who protect them on all lines. So needless to say, we didn't get that benefit of the doubt. I didn't get that benefit of the doubt. So after having such a great career in college, normally even with the stats and everything, the tangibles to prove that, hey, not only did we – we have the team success, I had the individual success that normally equates to – having a shot to have a great career in the NFL, I didn't get that benefit of doubt. And then when I played my last snap of college football, Ash, I was immediately told I wasn't good enough. 
And that's the first time probably in my life, let alone, like besides freshman year in academics, that was the first time in my life I probably failed at anything in my mind because I'm like, yo, my goal was to go play in the NFL. I'm doing everything in my power. Everything's going how I plan. Everything's aligned. It should be here. This is the next step. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm still trying to get there. Like, no, this should be the next thing. Check it out. You know what I'm saying? Check it off the list. And no, they're like, nah, we don't think you're athletic enough. We don't think you're fast enough, big enough. You're a smart dude. You know, you'll be all right. Go get it. You know, you got your Stanford degree. Boom, boom. And that was tough, ass. Since, you know, five years old, six years old, watching football with my dad, it was, a, it was just a dream to go play in the NFL. And norm, at first, it was just a dream, right? Love of the game. But then as I got older, middle school a little bit, but for sure high school. And then for sure, once, once I got to college and it started getting closer and closer to me, deciding do I want to even go play in the NFL, I started seeing and recognizing the situation that my family was in financially and our circumstances. And I was like, nah, I'm trying to make it to the NFL so I can like, help my family get out this situation and have a better quality of life. And I know the fast track to doing that is probably me getting to the NFL. I can do it in other ways. It'll probably just take longer. And my mom's health had already started taking the turn for the worse. So it was like, it was just crushing to me because I felt like, man, I'm letting my family down. This was my, this was my dreams as a kid. This was my purpose. And then boom, I'm not telling them I'm not good enough, right? So I had to accept that with not, without going, like getting combine invites, no senior college bowl uh, games to like get exposure, didn't get invited to any of them, not even the Texas versus the world. <laughs> senior bowl, you know, it was like, wow. no, I can't play in Texas. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> like, all right. So needless to say, draft day comes, and sure enough, I get to hear a whole bunch of other names and see a whole bunch of other guys, you know, fulfill their lifelong dreams of getting drafted on the stage, had or, you know, at the house of their family, celebrating stuff. And I'm sitting there with my family, and they asking questions and stuff, and that shit just pissing me off even more. As you know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, not only am I failing at this, I have to endure it with y'all. You know, and that's even more pressure sitting here right next to me. And like, yeah, man. So why did you uh, put yourself through that? <laughs> it's it's one of those. It's like I can easily say, no, I don't want to be around none of y'all. Like, leave me alone. I just want to be in my, you know, what I'm saying, by myself. But it's like. It's my mom, it's my dad, it's my sisters, my nieces. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Y'all not throwing a party. They wanted to throw a party. I'm like, y'all not throwing no party. Like, <laughs> I'll sit in the living room with y'all, but I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. So. Yeah. They are proud of you no matter what, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but you still got to deal with all the church. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm not trying to hear none of that. Like, y'all y'all are not helping. <laughs> y'all are not helping. I know. It's like, we love families, you know, sometimes yeah. it's their well-intentioned, but they all they don't, don't always see the don't right know. Y'all just don't know. It's not even y'all fault. Y'all just don't know. Like. <laughs> But needless to say, the draft, the final pick was made. My name wasn't called, and it was a reality. I did not get drafted. So that's the really failed in my eyes, right? First time I really failed, and that was crushing. But Ash, I didn't even get a chance to process that because immediately, as soon as that last pick, matter of fact, even before the NFL made their last pick of the draft, team started just blowing my phone up. I got Gloria. She's my fiance at the time, my wife now. She's taking phone calls. She's talking to my agent. She has two phones. I got two phones. We're just like taking all type of calls. There's recruitment all over again because I got to now decide where I'm going to go as an undrafted free agent. And it like it's, it's like college football recruitment all over again. And ultimately it came down to two teams. 
There was the San Francisco 49ers, which I was very familiar with their coaching staff because of Coach Harbaugh is now the head coach there and our defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, who coached us our junior year at Stanford. He's the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. They're there. But on the flip side, the other team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they actually had a plan for me. They're like, look, Mike, we're we got a lot of vets on our team and a lot of legends, Troy Palomalu, and you know what I'm saying? Like, but we need to get younger, Mike. And we love your game. We value you at Stanford. You were a team captain leader. We think if you come here, you got a good chance of making this team. And they were even offering more money, like up front. I ultimately chose as to go with the team where I had, you know, a little bit more uh familiarity with and it worked out. I don't have regrets as, but okay. Like, it doesn't sound, you know, the way you're, the intonation <laughs> in your voice and the way that it's sounding. Perhaps you have some regrets, but which, which is okay. Regrets are, are, you know, inevitable in life. I can, uh, can I, you I, tell me more. Tell me more, because I, I still I, have regrets as. <laughs> I can just tell somebody that look, if you ever get in this situation, don't only make it based off of who you, you know, you got, you know, ties with these people. See both sides and know that it's okay sometimes to venture out into the unknown and go with something else if it sounds like that's a better situation for you. Don't just Great go advice. with the people that you know. Anyway, back to the, you know, back. So that's my journey to the NFL. And it started off rocky again because I'm coming in undrafted. And shoot, we got, we had so much success my, my rookie year. I can't even enjoy it though, Ash, because I'm so pissed off because I wasn't happy with my current situation. Again, I thought it was my lifelong dream, not only just to play in the NFL, but then it started, I started thinking my purpose was to take care of my mom and dad and change their financial and current like living situation, right? Their circumstances. And I'm sorry, being on practice squad, that's, that's a whole lot different, you know, like difficult to do than if you get drafted, I don't care what round, like it's just different, let alone, oh, I'm practice squad in California. <laughs> with these taxes and this cost of living. So, okay, just to break it down for the people who are not very familiar with football like me, it sounds like practice squad is not a starting position. Like, no. you, are, you practice with a team. I assume you're not. Are you playing? Did you get no, to play in any games? Playing. So, yeah. So, for anybody else, especially like if you've ever been an intern at a company or if you've ever volunteered for something like that, like, that's probably the best, <laughs> like best description I can kind of give to you. Like you're ser you're servicing this team, you get paid, you're on the team, but you don't get any of the perks, you don't get any benefits, no, you know, like like literally, like no benefit packages on game day. You're not playing, but you help that team get there. So again, as like the pinnacle of playing football, obviously, is going to the NFL, and the pinnacle of that is playing in the Super Bowl. Like my rookie year with that man there, Cap, you know, like his rise, we make it all the way to the Super Bowl, Ash. But I can't enjoy to its fullest, you know, you know what I'm saying, that full experience of it because I'm so pissed at my situation. And I just remember like, okay, we lose the Super Bowl to the Ravens. Okay, bet. Man, they hold me this past year. I didn't get a chance to play with so many other dudes that either they drafted or they brought in and I was better than them. Nah, they're going to feel me this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, I'm going to work for it. They're going to feel me this year. They don't know my worth. Oh, that shit, right? And I just, like, immediately. And definitely worked hard that offseason, prepared. Same thing as I had the choice. Do I go to Pittsburgh or do I go back to San Fran? And 
I made the decision again, even after all that, because it seemed like I was going to have a great opportunity to make the team this year. Now that they saw how I really worked and yada, 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 you know, like sold me the dream. Right. And I get there and I'm going hard, having a great training camp. And even the, like the reporters, everybody who think they know football and think they know what's about to happen. Oh yeah. Mike Thomas is going to make this team. Like he's just adds so much value. And then cut day comes again, ask like the final cuts and boom, I get cut again. I don't make the team except this time. The 49ers are like, yo, like, we think it's either time for you to probably sign with another team because we don't want to bring you back, not even for practice squad again. Or maybe you start, got to start thinking about life outside of football. That's where we think you're at, Mike. Can I stop you really quickly? Had you ever thought about life outside of football? You know, you do come from lawyers as parents and they really emphasize education did you have an alternative route that you were thinking about oh definitely like exactly what it would have been I mean I thought about law school like to be honest when I got cut that same day I got cut on that second time I went and picked up the LSAT book (laughs) I was like man look I just gotta move on to the next thing very quickly I picked up my LSAT book I thought about coaching that could have been something I could have like easily transition to and not at a very starting level like probably you know what I'm saying transition at a more I guess to everybody else senior level you know high, uh, higher position right so all those things factored in but at the same time when you have faith when you got like really believe in yourself no matter what somebody else tells you you're gonna keep going you're gonna keep pursuing your dream and that's really what it was for me that's what it came down to and I didn't want to give up on it especially after the as much work and time and effort I've put into it, if the opportunity is still there, I don't want to just walk away from it prematurely and start thinking like, what if? I love that. I love that. So clearly something great happened because you're <laughs> still playing in the NFL. <laughs> so what happened uh, next definitely, after? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> nah, so, okay. So I was humbled. I didn't walk around with that same pissed off attitude that I had. I was like, cause now Okay, I've already failed, but I'm like, no, nah, that's just bullshit. That shit didn't matter. Like, you know, like they 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 weren't feeling me. Now I've literally done everything I could in my power. And it really should work out now. Cause I feel like I done figured it out. Okay, this is what that's what it took at Stanford. Okay, this is what it takes in the NFL. I figured that out. I figured Stanford out. I, I mastered that. I figured the NFL out too. I mastered that too. Boom. I know I'm gonna make it now. And it still wasn't enough. And that was the first time in my life I realized. There's just some things that's outside of your control. And I, I, that was the first time I, had, I let go in my life. And I said, you know what? Even my, even my faith in God got stronger. You, you know what I'm saying? And then I was like, look, I really don't control this. Like, Yeah, let go and let God. I was carrying around a lot of burdens, a lot of baggage, thinking that was my purpose. And I just had to look like, nah, man, like I can't, I can't put that all on me. Because I, I can't. Like, you know what I'm saying? I would have been, what, at that time, 21, 22? 22 years old or, yeah, going on 23, one or two, I don't know. <laughs> How old was I? 23, 23. I would have been 23 years old, damn near, like, needing to go have all type of, like, mental, you know what I'm saying, mental health issues for the fact that, like, man, I really can't take care of my family. But anyway, you know, like, I, I let that go, Ash, and I was like, once I did that, I'm talking about really decided to, like, give my situation to God and started, like, building my faith in God. It got me to the point where, I was on that transition to become kind of what more people see me as today or, you know, like the person they see today, that's, that was a start then. And everybody in that locker room with San Fran, they were like, dude, how are you able to like walk in here every day with a smile with them? Not, you know what I'm saying? Like we vouching for you. We saying you need to play like 
like that should have pissed me off. I couldn't be. I'm like, hey, dog, like, I don't control that. Like, I was pissed off last year. I'm not pissed off. You know, so I'm done being pissed off. I'm coming here. I'm enjoying every opportunity. I'm trying to get better. I'm gonna make sure I'm ready for whenever my opportunity comes. But at the end of the day, I'm helping y'all get better. I'm enjoying this experience, man. Enjoy this ride. And having that mindset, having that attitude helped me out so much more, not only that year, but for the rest of my career. And now to your point, like, all right, what happens after that? So there's only 17 weeks in the NFL season, Ash, like 17 games or 16 games in a bye week at that time. Okay. We go that whole season. I'm having a great attitude, great attitude. But, you know, after about week 11, week 12, you're like, okay, well, it's a very real possibility. I probably have, I'm not going to play again this year. And, you know, like more weeks go by and not doubt, but just the, you know, the reality that the season's almost over with and I haven't got picked up. So that's fine. Either I'm a, now I'm going to really start thinking about life after football or, you know, like, like um, will I give it another year, a try or whatever. But sure enough, when I least expected it, Ash, a team called me early one Monday morning after week 15, like going into week 15. And <laughs> it was the Miami Dolphins. And they're like, yo, we want to sign you. We're trying to go on this playoff run. And a bunch of our guys are hurt. We just need some more guys to come out here and just play on special teams. Oh, shit, hell yeah, bet. I talked to dudes. You know what I'm saying? It's Miami. I'm like, I'm gone, right? Get down to Wednesday, Ash. Nobody knows my name. Like, nobody's trying to really introduce themselves to me other than one, like, assistant coach. He's like, look, I just got to get you ready just in case injuries happen, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I'm like, cool, bet. I'll do all these extra meetings with you at this extra work. I get to the game. I got one job, Ash. You got one job. You know, like, just, just go out here on your, like, special teams and block, block this guy. Don't let him make a tackle. All right, bet. I'm doing that, right? Doing that the whole game. It's a good game. I think we go to the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, we're winning. And one one guys who actually played in my position, plays DB, he gets hurt. And our special teams coach asks, comes up to me and he asks me, yo, can you just run down on kickoff and be the safety? You don't have to do anything crazy. Just don't let them run fast past you and make and score a touchdown. I'm like, okay, yeah, man. You know, I can do that. <laughs> like, I ain't tripping. <laughs> I run down there as the next play and I make a tackle. And now, mind you, for those who don't really know football like that, I'm hyped because my name is going to be on the stat sheet. So there's going to be proof that I actually played an NFL game. So I'm hyped in the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And then that same drive, the other team has the ball. We're on defense. Another one of our DDs get hurt and play my position. Except now there's not anybody else to go to. All defense coaches, they turn to me. They're like, yo, 31. They, don't, they still don't know my name, man. As you know, they look on the back. Oh, yeah, 31. Uh, Thomas? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we, need <you. laughs> we need you to play, you know, this, this position. We don't have any other guys. Don't worry. We understand you just got here. You don't know the plays. You don't know anything about what we do. Just, hey, every play, do whatever you were coached to do in college or when you were in San Fran, if, it, if, it, if it's similar to what we're doing here. And the safeties that you're out there with, they'll communicate with you every single play to give you a call, tell you what to do. So I'm going out there. I'm like, all right, bet. Look, I said I wanted an opportunity to play. I didn't think it was going to come like this, but, you know, it's right here it is. But the only thing I ask is, like, we're playing against the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. And sure enough, like, I, for those who might not know a lot about football, he's considered to be the GOAT, the best ever quarterback to ever play. So I did know that. I did yeah. know that. <laughs> So you can imagine he gets out there on offense now and he's like, wait, hold on, number 31 in a slot. Oh, check, check, check. You know what I'm saying? He's coming at me every single play, right? I'm holding my own, but 
it's only like a few minutes left. So it's looking like the storybook Tom Brady game winning drive, you know, the like ending. And they get down to the red zone, Ashley, and we I'm guarding one of their best players in the slot, one on one with no help. Said Hut. Tom throws a pass in the end zone while I'm guarding him. The guy has the ball in his hands for the game winning touchdown. And I'm just fighting for my life. life. As I did, like we fight all the way to the ground. Boom, the ball pops out. I'm hyped, ass. I get up, I'm celebrating, crowd going crazy. My teammates don't know, like, yeah, 31. I see you, dog. Like, yeah, it, it, it is crazy, right? Wow. So, uh, it's probably like 15 something seconds left, incomplete, incomplete, like eight seconds left. So now it's they only got time for one more play. And our coach calls timeout. He was like, look, we're gonna run this man coverage. We're gonna give Mike some help. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> like, he was like, don't like, even if we lose the game, don't let it be on me. And I'm like, we're double teaming my guy in the slot. Set, hut, like they snapped the ball. This is for the game. My guy I'm covering, he goes inside and the safety takes him. So now I'm free. I don't really have any responsibility. So I back up a little bit and I look at the quarterback. And next thing I know, as the ball's coming right at me. Like, I mean, like right at my face. I'm saying, oh, it was like slow motion, like a movie. Shit, uh, catch it. I fall down in the end zone. I'm like, wait, I just catch my first interception. Oh, oh wait, that was the game interception. No shit, that's Tom Brady. And next thing I know, bro, all my teammates are jumping up and down on me. His cameras all in my face. I like, I can't even get off the field. Like, there's three, four interviews on the field, locker room. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even know where I was going. Yo, know, I didn't even know how to get back to the locker room at that point. Like, it was just, it was nuts, Ash. And just like that, like literally, my career and life changed forever in that moment. And that's what wow. happened. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is such an amazing story. And so you're such a great storyteller. I felt like I was there. I was like sitting on the sidelines watching. <laughs> well, you can imagine how many times I've told that story. And it's probably getting more legendary and legendary, you know, as I tell it. Like next thing you know, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, I got this Saturday night. And yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's so amazing. So it's seen. And how long were you on the team at that point? I think maybe you said a Wednesday, so maybe three days. Wow. Yeah, so that was a, wow. yeah, that was a very, uh, I guess, great first impression <laughs> to the organization, into the company. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so from there, did it, everything just kind of like snowball and you just knew? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, there's still some other elements to the business side of football that I had to deal with, but it was way better than being on practice squad. I'll say that. But it was, I had a great experience in Miami. The opportunities that I did get, you know, I took advantage of and parlayed them into, you know, something more just because I knew like, hey, as an undraft, when you go undrafted in the NFL, nothing's ever going to be given to you. Like they're always going to be looking to replace you, I guess, to everybody, just like everybody else. You got to constantly update your resume. <laughs> you know, so like you got to constantly like make sure that you're adding value because it's competitive. Right. And I just always I had to make sure I did that. And it's like, OK. There's offense. In, in football, there's three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. If you're a starter on offense or defense, great. You know, you probably got a shot to play for a little while. You got opportunities to make a lot of money. If you play special teams or if you're not a starter on either one of those, you're going to have to play special teams or you won't play in the NFL very long. I figured that out, Ash. And I said, you know what? I know I can play on defense, but if I want to play a long career and get, keep getting paid a lot, I got to play special teams. And 
my parents taught me at a very young age, if you're going to do anything, be great at it. Like, don't, you know, like, don't just be mediocre. Don't just do something to do it. Like, go be great. And long story short, I, I earned the reputation of being probably one of the best, if not the best special teams players in the NFL and year 11, <laughs> you know, going into year 11. So yeah. yeah. Well, that is so incredible. And I think it's just a perfect stopping point so we can go into part two, because I knew that this would have to be a two episode situation with you, Mike, because you just my, my, my storytelling. I just take up too much time. No, it's all it's just really good. And I just really want to dig into just some of the lessons learned. Talk a little bit about your definition of success on the next episode. So let's have everybody sit with this, sit with this incredible story about you, how you just really like kept going, even though there were several setbacks. I think that's very inspiring. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share this episode with friends and family. And if you like what you hear, please go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to rate the show. It helps other listeners find No Straight Path. Let's spread the message, everyone, and make sure that millennials feel less alone. There's no straight path in your career and life, and that's okay. It's honestly what makes the journey exciting. So let's get inspired together. I hope you have a great week.